This is Take Two. Is Take Two. Roshi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Yeah, we've been talking for quite a while now. It's been a long time coming. It's been, it's been, well, nearly a year, dare we say. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. You had a surgery recently, eh? Recently enough, yeah. So I would have had like a, more of a procedure than a surgery in my head. So I've had major surgeries before. Um, mm. And recently I've just finished a round of radiation. Um, and then I had like minor kind of brain surgery. Um, yeah. So in my head, it seems like a small surgery in okay. comparison to some of the yeah. bigger ones. Um, okay. And what did they do recently? So recently it was, it's called, so it's hard to explain to other people. So basically what they do is there's nerves within your brain mm. and they ablate them or they basically sever them, that lesion them to stop pain receptors so in your brain to stop the pain receptors going from your brain to your face where you feel the pain okay um, so is there like numbness somewhere now completely yeah actually like at this stage the right side of my face is paralyzed whoa yeah yeah so like it, some people don't notice it yeah, I yeah, can yeah. Notice it. I'm quite okay aware. I'm trying to like look at your face now just to like see but is it if you notice like okay that eyebrow doesn't move. oh my god it's like you got like a really like like a Botox job. Well, they did Botox as well. So okay. Actually, yeah. So they can do Botox medicinally. Um, so because I would be quite expressive. I talk with my hands. I talk with my yeah. face. Yeah. Um, but that can cause pain. So the more you move your face with a condition like mine, the more pain it can cause. Mm. Um, so that was becoming a problem. So I've had so much Botox done now, <laughs> but only on one side of the face. Um, and was it done with like? surgeon like doctors yeah, yeah, or did done, you go yeah. over to like no but like every time he's done it I've been like would you not just do the other side like to even it out yeah exactly like what's gonna happen when you get wrinkles now on this side I know <laughs> I know I'll probably just get it evened out myself yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> yeah so that was the last oh thing God. that I got done um and it's going well it's mm -hmm. going well so far not too bad and how was radiation it's tough um yeah radiation's tough I always find radiation the hardest it's just the after effects of it. You can feel it affects your mood as well. It's something that isn't often reported. It can really kind of, I don't know, it can bring down feelings of kind of, you know, low confidence, low energy. Um, and I think that's the hardest part. There, so it doesn't hurt. Like I don't, I don't find the radiation particularly painful. Um, but it's more the mental effects. Mm. Um, and then stuff like your hair, you can lose your hair. Yeah. And Is it like, like similar to chemo? Um, well, they, they use radiation to treat, yeah. treat cancer as well. Uh, so it can be used in many different situations. But um, yeah, it would okay. be, be similar. Grand. Okay, perfect. Now, before we get into all of this, right? What do you have? Because we were just oh, talking yeah. about like all of Randomly, this kind of stuff. Randomly, and everybody actually knows. Um, so I have... A condition called trigeminal neuralgia and then I have two other conditions so I have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome oh. um, so they're separate they're yeah. separate to the trigeminal neuralgia oh wow but with chronic illness it's often they say that it comes in you don't just get one chronic illness so when you're diagnosed with something like trigeminal neuralgia often there will be other factors in play and um, so fibromyalgia is very common among among people with trigeminal neuralgia um, or it can be vice versa. Do you know, somebody with MS mm -hmm. uh, can end up with trigeminal neuralgia. They all interlink. Um, so initially I would have been diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia. 
And then that's when we kind of figured out that there was other stuff going on within my body that, that didn't feel right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose to explain trigeminal neuralgia, it's a, it's a rare brain condition and it's a nerve condition. So it's the cranial nerves. It's a malfunction of the cranial nerves. Um, it can be caused by different factors, but in my case, it would be blood vessels that are constricted by other blood vessels pushing down on one another. And that causes the intense pain. Um, so, yeah, it's quite actually, they call it the worst pain known to mankind. Um, I've never experienced anything like it. Like, I would consider my pain threshold fairly strong. And I just remember the first time that I felt that pain. Like, I I don't think I'll ever be, you can't even put it into words. It, it's just, it almost feels like electric, like this electric wire like I can't even I'm struggling to think of the words to describe it mm. um, and it's just this pain that like it completely it's debilitating um, yeah it's, it's and what was the first time that that pain hit you like so, yeah. when did it happen where what so with me it was gradual so in the beginning it was just actually it's kind of funny so the first time that I knew kind of saw signs that something was up. I went on a night out, like I was back working in my old job. Um, I hated it. Like I was running myself into the ground. Like I was just constantly overworking myself and going out every, not every night, but like every okay. weekend. What were you doing at that time? I was working in insurance. All right. Um, and it just wasn't the career path for me. It just yeah. wasn't, I don't know. Accidentally, I just ended up in this job. And like at the time, like I had great friends and, you know, it, that was all fine like I liked the office but I just looking back I'm like how did you even do that it doesn't yeah. seem like me mm -hmm. I've gone on such a journey since being diagnosed that it doesn't feel it doesn't feel yeah. like me like it doesn't feel like my life but we went on a night out with all the people from work and it, like it was a great night out and then I woke up the next morning and I was like oh my god I can't move one side of my face and I was like, Something, something's like not right here. Then I was thinking, oh, like you're really hungover. You could just be dehydration. Like, don't be freaking anybody out. Like, I didn't want to alarm anybody. But I was like, this isn't normal. So I get left to the day. And then the next day, my family were like, no, Roshan, that's not normal. So I went to the hospital and they said that I had a condition called Bell's palsy. So that's that's what it causes. What people like, usually think, especially at your young age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was facial paralysis. Um and at the beginning, it didn't hurt at all. Like there was, there was no pain from that. But my eyesight was kind of in, and the right side of the face was kind of going, and my eye had drooped over. So I was off work for a month with that, and it resolved itself. And I went back to work. This would have been in August of twenty nineteen. I went back okay. to work in the October. So I took the month of September off, and then I went back. And in the run up to Christmas, I was just really busy in work. But then I noticed pain start creeping up and it was at first it was subtle and then it was gradually building and building and I had a chronic migraine every single day and oh. um, going to work but I kept telling myself no 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 it's fine like everything's fine keep going keep going it's kind of like an Irish thing it's like oh you're grand like yeah. and I just lived off like coffee and sheer will like and just kept going and then on the 23rd of December 2019 I went on a night out with the people from work again and I remember it was a great night out and I left my office that day and I haven't been back since. So from there, it's just, 
it all just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My whole journey with illness from there just. 23rd December. 23rd of December 2019. Your Christmas present. Yeah. Right I before remember. the pandemic. Literally. And oh this is where it, yeah. So that's what happened. Essentially it led, it was just the worst time to get sick was during a pandemic. But uh, like nobody really knew, like December of 2019, we weren't really thinking of the pandemic. No. I don't think it was like... Uh, it was just like a little bit of a chitter chat. It was a murmur. Like, yeah, like was, yeah. It, What's nobody, happening over in China, kind of. Yeah, but nobody was concerned. Like, I, I, I know I wasn't. I know any of my friends. Like, coronavirus wasn't something that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was this illness that I got and this, like, excruciating pain that I was feeling every single day. And I went to my GP, like, after he opened. So they shut for Christmas for a really long time. It's ridiculous, actually. Um... And I wasn't going to go to hospital again because I, I, the they find it hard to deal with problems like this. The hospital just kind of be like, oh, you're fine. And they, yeah, their MRI is fine. So like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And they just kind of let it go. So I went to my GP, but my own GP, he was fantastic. Actually, he's from around here, but he was fantastic. My own GP, but he was, I think he was abroad doing like work. Like he, he helps out in different countries. He does like that and whatever you call it. So there was a different doctor there filling in his place and I was explaining everything. And like I'd been in hospital, like I'd been hospitalized a couple of times in the lead up to this appointment. And I'd been out of work for a month, like, and this doctor was so dismissive. He was like, oh, it's PMS. So it's hormones. He was like, oh, all women get headaches. And I was like, no, but you don't understand. Like, I've had a headache, like every, like, and not just a headache, like an excruciating headache for the past, like, we're talking now October to January, nonstop. <laughs> yeah. And he just prescribed me paracetamol. And was Stop. Like, yeah. And just sent me away. But like, it couldn't, like, looking back at the time, I wouldn't have known what advocacy was and you know standing up for, for your rights and uh, like I would now like I would yeah. go into appointments now with like literally a notebook full that and also I think it's so important what you just said there where I think us like regular folk let's say or uneducated in this sense you always take the doctor's word for it 100% if he said it's grand then it's or she said it's grand then it's grand I, who am I like what grounds am I on to be like no you're wrong exactly so you feel in a position like that you feel oh if the doctor's telling me everything's fine it's fine yeah I, have I to get knew over it. it wasn't and like not to undermine this man but I, I just don't like him so I was like <laughs> I was like I know this man is not telling me the truth so I'm gonna wait for my own doctor to come back mm -hmm. and I'm gonna see him and then when my own doctor came back I visited him and he was like appalled he was like this could be anything, this could be a tumour, this could be, like, I can't believe nothing has been done. And this was, I think we would have been the end of February now, 2020. Okay. Um, so he sent me for scans to see what was up. And then I got diagnosed with the trigeminal neuralgia. So we okay. knew now exactly what it was. And, like, he, he just apologised. was like, I can't believe, like, this is a horrendous condition. I can't believe we weren't able to catch it sooner. But it wasn't for lack of trying on his part. He really did. He's done amazing stuff for me. Um, but then the pandemic happened. And it was like, anybody that had an illness, it just, it, it stopped. Like, they just put down the shutters. And, it, like, there was no treatment available. Like, mm. I was waiting to see a consultant. And... I must say he called me maybe five separate times in the evening time was like because of COVID we can't see you and just kept going on and on 
So eventually I paid to go see a private consultant um, and paid for all my treatment to myself because I was like, I just you can't. You had to. I had to. They you had just, to. You had no choice. Yeah. And that and also, first of all, what the fuck is it? So your head is spiraling. Yeah. Google, of course, there's all this information, YouTube, whatever. But like, this is a tough disease to deal with really bad like and my mental health was never good to begin with like mm-hmm. I always uh, I always had depression yeah. and anxiety since I was a teenager like yeah so this was a whole new other and thing and add the pandemic too on and top the of pandemic that. was happening and yeah. at the same time I was like well this is horrible this mm-hmm. global pandemic is happening but there's a selfish party that's thinking but what about the rest of us that that are sick and that need treatment too this doesn't make sense like we can't just your life can't be put on hold uh, yeah to the detriment of like so many people will have died from things not related to covid because they were neglected during that Mm -hmm. period of time yeah it's tough it's hard i was very lucky that i got to see an amazing neurosurgeon yeah and he basically noticed that there was something wrong and he was going to do brain surgery okay so this was the first time so i was like oh my god like this is insane like i'm gonna have somebody literally cutting into my brain yeah like i just that's the most invasive thing of all it is like for anyone they take a bit of your skull away like it's actually i had to kind of in my head the only way to get through it was to be like to be like really okay with it like to a point where people were like how does that not freak you out i almost came outside of my own body I yeah. was pretending that I was like this third or like second person. Um, so like it wasn't my brain. Would you say that you nearly had to like let go of control in that moment where you're like, yeah. whatever happens? Yeah, completely. Like you make peace with yeah. whatever is going to happen, you know, because you have to make some serious, tough decisions before you go into have brain surgery. Like you have to basically give somebody the power of attorney over your body that if something happens... Th- like I was it's it's you yeah it's you in there you know yeah I mean? but I had to say like I don't want to be resuscitated if something happens I okay. don't want to be at the yeah. time um like they're hard decisions to be making oh yeah you're like crying when signing off the thing but I wasn't and this was the thing oh my god I don't think I cried now I get emotional about it, but I don't yeah. think at the time like I ever like my family like I'd hear my mom crying herself to sleep and I but like I wouldn't <laughs> be crying which is because you're fa- I think your family and your friends it hits them more. The helplessness, eh? Yeah, because they can't do anything. No. With me, I'm like, oh, this is my life. I have to get on with it. Yeah. But for them, they're just like a bystander. Would you nearly say that you were happy that you got an answer at least? Because your fight to figuring out what oh, it was yeah, was so tough. Completely. I'm really sad that it had to be this condition. But I've also made peace with... How do I word it? Like, everybody in their life we all have a different path that we're going to walk. This is my path. This was what was meant to happen in my life. Some people might think it's a religious thing. For me, it's spiritual. Or I always believe that, you know, if this didn't happen to me, I could have walked out on the street and got hit by a car. Do you know? like Yeah, it's your fate. It's my fate. Like, I'm not saying just because other people have it more difficult than me that it invalidates my experience. It doesn't at all. And same for people that say, oh, I shouldn't be complaining about this headache because I know how bad you have it. I always say, no, no, your feelings and experiences are valid too. Like, yeah. And you also don't know what's next, no. homie. This is, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That so is true. where, yeah. So my kind of, it took so, the, I've been through just 
two brain surgeries and I've had a spinal cord implant and we'd be here all day if I was to go through all the procedures. Yeah. What was the spinal cord one for though? So like- it's called a neurostimulator. So it goes into your back and then up through your spinal cord into your brain Stop. and it stimulates the brain and basically stops the pain receptors. Okay. But even with that, like that can take away people's chronic pain, which is fantastic. Like it's cutting edge science here. Like some people are yeah, taking them pain free. Geniuses. Oh, it's like oh and God. you control it off an iPhone. Like Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so high tech. Like and it's fantastic. But even that doesn't it, it's only taken away. It's done massive work for my fibromyalgia and, and my fatigue. But the brain condition, it's like trigeminal neuralgia is one of these conditions that we there is no cure right now. And even little, like things like that are major, but they're not curing it. It's barely yeah. making a dent in the pain, do you know? Yeah. So, so much more needs to be done. There needs to be awareness around it. Like some of my friends still can't pronounce the condition. <laughs> And I don't blame them. Like, I'm not. No, in fairness, trigeminal neuralgia. Yeah. And like, I would have never known what Does it, it was. Does it go like TN? TN. That's TN. what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. And my family call it that because it's just the easiest yeah. way. To, but see, there's two different types. So there's normal TN and there's atypical. So atypical is when you have the pain all the time. Okay. T- normal TN, it can happen one excruciating flare that could literally like hospitalize you. And then it could go away for a few weeks. Wow. So you never know when it's going to hit. But people that have that type of TN can work mm. and they can kind of get on with their life. Okay. For people like me, when you have the atypical TN, you can't. Like there's there's no way I'd be able to go in and do not like So are you just like job. always in pain? Oh, constantly. Like even right now I'm in pain. Oh and my God. Yeah, it's hard for people to realize that because I've gotten so used to it. In the beginning, I couldn't like, mm-hmm. I couldn't cope with it. And I really was like, I, I don't think I'm going to make, like yeah. I can't last with this pain. You do adapt and you do become accustomed to it. Like it's kind of like if you have like a needle stuck in you all the time nearly, then you get used to it. Completely. Like you get used to that level of discomfort. Um, and what kind of discomfort is it or pain? So I always have like a migraine. So like a normal okay. migraine that you get safe, like you're really hungover and you have a splitting headache, mm-hmm. that kind of pain all the time. And then throughout the day, I'll get shocks of pain that feel kind of like. You've probably never electrocuted. Have you ever put your finger in a socket or no? <laughs> oh, um, no, I've gotten that. My brother, when we were younger, made me lick a battery. Yeah, so that would be the the, the, <laughs> the kind of shock, yeah, the jolt. Yeah. Not fun. Not no. fun. So no. it's like don't that. lick batteries, <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that, but on a much higher level, just kind of pulsating through your head, your face, and down into your neck okay. all the time. And what does your iPhone do then? The neurostimulator, that's to counteract that. So if I'm going through a particularly bad episode, you're not to use it all the time because it's always working in the background. Okay. But like extra, you know? Yeah. So if it's a really, really bad flare where like I can't get out of bed, like it's that bad, you can amp that up. But even at that, that's only taking about 10% of the pain away. So you're still like relying on medication, on different, you know, therapy, on on all these procedures like I am at a stage now where I'm like I actually don't think I can go through another medical procedure like for the for the next while for my own headspace because the medical trauma that that causes it gets to a stage where you feel like your body actually isn't your own I feel like I'm literally going into this hospital as like 
like I don't know like a test subject or something like mm. this body that people are working on and I'm not everything is not guaranteed because no, it, it's no. such early stages in terms of exactly and I mean in the beginning I was willing to try everything that came my way yeah and I was like every single treatment I was like yeah yeah do it do it do it mm-hmm. but I'm starting to get to a stage now where I'm like am I doing more harm than good are these treatments you know if they're not offering me much pain relief are they really worth putting my body through that yeah physical like even going under anesthetics like so often oh yeah like I was going under anesthetic every three weeks like oh stop no like I would have had like three surgeries in my life and my reaction to anesthetic was pure like nearly like seizure like panic attacks whenever I woke up Mm -hmm. and that was just waking up you know what I mean so any procedure there is that risk to it and then it's also kind of like probably with time and with experience which I think is just so interesting when you bring context into it is you're probably more patient now I would say or it's like oh there's this new like study there's this new drug I can wait you know come back to me in six months come back to me in a year completely I'm still gonna be here in the beginning, I remember I every week I'd email my job and they'd be like, I'll be back next week. I'll be back next week. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, it's only going to be another week. Now I send them an email every three or four weeks or months. Sorry. Mm. And they know, like, listen, my health is coming first. I'm not. Yeah. So you're on, on like paid leave? Well, I'm not on paid leave. I'm just on <laughs> leave. Like, they, yeah. But I wouldn't even say they remember who I am, to be honest. Like, yeah. You're replaceable. In if you were to go back. like, Yeah, you're replaceable in a company. That's why I, I have... Like, I much prefer the person I am now. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from this illness that if you were like, oh, I'd give you a time machine and you could go back before I started, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take yeah. it. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you, actually, because I had Andy Quinn on who had a stroke at 28. Yeah, yeah. And I found it so interesting. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. Who were you before the, like, not the stroke, sorry. Who were you before and who are you now? Yeah, so before, I wouldn't say, like, at the age I happened, I, I yeah. Was, how old were you? I would have been God. How many? Three years ago, so I'm 26 now. I would have been 22, just or 23. I think I was 22 actually, yeah, because of the way it works out. Um, so I was young, mm-hmm. although yeah, I was young enough. Like, and I like it's not like I disliked the person I was then. Um, I'd definitely made a lot of growth from my teenage years up to that point, but I don't think I was happy, and I don't think I was content with who I was as a person like I definitely didn't I'm not gonna say I didn't love myself but no maybe I didn't actually like I didn't have a like a I have an awful lot of respect for my body now whereas then I would have saw my body as you know something that oh you're too fat oh you need to lose weight oh you need to change this and this and this and whereas now I'm like my body is so powerful like it has gotten me through the most horrendous things and every single day it endures the most unbearable pain pain that that causes so many people to take their own lives and yet here I am and I'm still going like how could I ever hate that that body or that person like that's that's like I'm so grateful for the strength that I have found along the way whereas back when I was 22 I would have been thinking of things like really superficial things like would have been like oh my, you know my lips are too small or oh, I need to get me like I'd love to get my lips done or it was all all of it was about how I looked and uh, how other people viewed me whereas now I really couldn't care less 
what other people think of me. And I love that. Yeah. I really love that because it's so empowering, so freeing when you just let other people's opinions don't matter because I know who I am and I know how strong I am. And that's something that I don't think I would be in this place right now if I hadn't have got sick. How do you feel about the fact that it had to be a diagnosis? To make me understand that, yeah. Because um, I feel like everyone has that turn, usually anyways, they have a drastic or dramatic moment where then it's like, oh, this actually doesn't matter. I think we take life for granted, I do. I think it's not we, It's not that we take life for granted. We know we have so much, but we take it for granted. It's perspective. So I think back then my world was so small and I would have liked to think I was open-minded, but I probably wasn't. Um, and I think once something like this happens, you open your eyes and you see the world through a different lens and you see, you know, you see the, it's, it's not even just the things that you see, it's the people. You see the people who stood by and the people that I haven't spoken to since I left the office no shame but to those people don't feel guilty you're on your own journey too but like <laughs> as in not everyone's gonna check up on you no, you know what I mean no exactly but like you see people that were are in your life because I give an awful lot to, to people that I care about and that I love like I do I I'm very supportive and I like I always show up for people you know or try hype them up mm. so I kind of now I know that I deserve that back yeah I feel like in situations it has to be give and take before I would have been all give and I wouldn't have cared how people treated me back because it would just would it like any kind of attention would be too much kind of yeah I know it's so weird when you actually think about it it's I'm trying to get the words right but it would probably be along the lines of oh you know if I do this then they will like give me the attention of, of, that I want or that I think I want. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Eventually, when in reality, sometimes just like observe people for who they are, exactly. and just, you're and not going to change them. them. Accept them. Yeah, yeah. Because look, naturally, if you are someone that like is very vocal about the people in your life and like you're a supportive person. Some people are just not, they're not, they're not no. douchebags, but they're just like shy, you know, I just don't want to like be too much, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it's just about taking that step back and going, okay, it is what it is, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we'll just carry on with life in this way. Exactly. And then you know who, to, who you can depend on too. And I know the friends that, you know, really stuck by me and they're... My friendships group is really small. That's what I was going to ask you. Usually yeah. it's always the case. Yeah. Like under I, five or under ten? <laughs> Nearly. Um, I don't offend anybody. So um, <laughs> You don't need to mention that. I would, yeah, I would say there's, yeah, probably under five yeah. that are top consistently. Uh, where like, yeah. I'm there for them. They're, they're there for me. Then mm -hmm. I have loads of acquaintances. I'm not sure yeah, what friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have loads and loads of acquaintances, but I don't know if, you know, I don't give out as where before I wanted to be everybody's friend. So this is the way to put I wanted to be everybody's friend. Whereas now I'm happy. You have to be friends. your friend now. Yeah. I've been my own best friend yeah. and and invest in the people that that I think are really important. And exactly. It's nice to keep your world small sometimes. Was it hard for your friends and your family to navigate your diagnose like you and this diagnosis and fatigue? Yeah, yeah completely. Like 
to, for your friends, it's I suppose they don't they've never experienced it. Every we're all experiencing it for the first time. So my friends say they would have took a heart and they would have been upset and they would have been nervous anytime you went in for surgery. You know, they were waiting for somebody to text to say that I was in ICU or that everything was fine. Um, and then my family, it was really, my family are fantastic and they're really well informed on it now. But it, I've been very vocal from the beginning about informing them on exactly what the condition is. And, you know, even online, it's a great, that's what I don't think I'd have made it this far without like Instagram and, and the online community because that, that community is just phenomenal. And I post so openly and honestly on my Instagram account that my family actually through watching it, they've learned so much about the illness and they like I love it now when people are like, oh, I followed somebody who has the same condition as you because I, I know then they're eager. They want to find out about my condition and understand it more. And mm. not just from my own perspective. Yeah. Through other people as well. Yeah. Vulnerability helps. Yeah. You know, it's, it helps in education. And I think it's always just, you can always look up definitions. You can always look up what the people are feeling. But you have to like listen to them. And I think what's super important about if you're up for it, of course. But the fact that you are using Instagram nearly as a diary. Yeah. Your parents... And your like close friends can find out stuff about you, yeah, without asking, without any filters, without asking you about it and feeling awkward about it, or vice versa, you not feeling awkward it's about amazing. it. It's amazing. It's just there. Take it as you wish. It's objective mm -hmm. to a certain extent. It's amazing. Number mm. one, I don't have the effort, all the not the effort, the energy all the time to text every single family member and let them know how yeah. today's appointment went. So I post it on Instagram, and people see it then. Yeah, and they know, and then. They can check in whenever they too. They can check in whenever. Sometimes it can be too much for them. Yeah, it can be too much for them. So they can pick it up as they, and then it means that even like I follow other people's illness journeys online that I've never met and they live on the other side of the world, but we communicate and we message with one another and that's fantastic. Like mm. and th people like that really keep you going because you feel so alone. In the beginning, you feel so isolated and so lonely. And I know now that I'm not alone. Like, 15% of the world are disabled. Like, that's... How many? 15%. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we always see disabled as a physical thing. Yeah. And there's so many invisible illnesses. Yeah. That's what I was actually going to go into next, because I think it's super important to talk about that. But would you have had any moment where someone didn't understand you or didn't like empathize with your situation and made you feel very uncomfortable yeah all the time to be honest like I get dirty looks like if I'm out somewhere and I have to use a disabled bathroom like and I have to use it because I can't stand in long queues mm. like I, I just haven't got the strength like I haven't got the energy and um, I'm much better now but in the in the early days I wouldn't have been like and people would give you dirty looks or sometimes they would say stuff to you um or there was this judgment that I was getting. So like, I didn't want to put my life on hold. And just because I'm sick, I didn't want to stop living life. So if I went on a night out, like people were like, oh, are you better now? And I'd be like, why? Because I went on one night out, that's going to take me two weeks to recover from. Mm. And people think that I'm healed. Like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. But it, just because I'm, I don't look sick doesn't mean I'm not. And just because I have one good day does not mean that it's, you know, I'm better. Like, yeah. And also it's kind of like, what's harder to do? Go out with people that you love and laugh yeah. a little bit or go to a desk 
and sit down and work for nine hours. No. And exactly. But you see, the thing with work is that's a commitment. So yeah. showing up to work is... You're not going to do like a side gig for an insurance company. No. Do you know, whereas with like a night out, I can leave at any time. If I'm yeah. in immense pain, I can leave straight there. Like just get up and leave. Like, and I, to be honest, I don't go out often. Like I really don't. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better now because I'm I'm more involved and I'm I'm doing more stuff. But in, in the early days, I was there was months on end where I didn't leave my house. Yeah. Oh my god. It it's just at one stage I was what you would call like an it's an ambulatory wheelchair user. So essentially, people don't just presume if you're in a wheelchair, your legs don't work, which isn't true. So I would have needed a wheelchair in certain situations. I wouldn't have had the strength to walk for 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 long journeys or like for example in the airport I wouldn't make it to like the gate and that's because like is the brain nerve just like no, so that's the leg? fibromyalgia as okay. well so that's the pain within my body so fibromyalgia is a condition where it's it's widespread kind of how to explain it it's like you feel numbness in your body kind of bruised feeling all throughout your body and mm. um, and the chronic fatigue Okay. So I would have relied on it. That would have been probably in the first year and a half on a wheelchair for that or after any major surgery. Like, so they call it an ambulatory wheelchair. Yes, I can't remember where I was going with that. You were just talking about invisible illness and people not understanding. Oh, the wheelchair thing. So yeah. I think I was getting to the point. Where, oh, it was in, it was actually in Dublin airport. And I actually don't care if the man gets in trouble because Go on. I report him. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was Christmas and I was going away for the Christmas and I'd just had the spinal surgery done three weeks before and I wasn't meant to fly into acting for a month but I was like I'll be fine I'm on the cusp Look, there was no way I just had spinal surgery that I was making it through the airport <laughs> it did not mean that I cannot get out of the wheelchair I'm not paralyzed like I was able to get out of it but I can't walk long journeys so I got out of the wheelchair at some point and the man in the wheelchair was like oh look it's a miracle she can walk and he was like a man working in the airport security oh and I was like how uneducated can you be like th- 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 number one who makes comments like that and I don't blame people not being educated because I didn't know the full picture of disability yeah but also just ew why why, why? was yeah. that funny to you F- to him to him maybe literally probably no one laughed just out of sheer awkwardness yeah, like it was just, he, yeah he was an awful man he made other comments as well yeah like racist comments about other passengers i did report the man but it was just like what you gain from that like what there's nothing that you gain from that mm-hmm. like and those comments like stick with you they spiral in your head i should have yeah. said this i should have like done that they do and also there's another thing that I believe in as well. Sometimes like the not fighting with strangers on the internet thing is a big one of mine. I see people doing it all the time and I never do it because I feel like it's a waste of time. Some people can't be educated if on, on a matter. Oh, they decide to be idiots. Yeah. I, that is a decision in my opinion. Definitely. Like I can try advocate as much as I want and I can try bring awareness. But if there's people who aren't willing to listen, that's fine. And there always will be that percentage of people um, but for the community, for the for the disabled community, I just think it's really important. But sometimes we're thought of as an afterthought, and I would have never understood what it was like had I not ended up with a disability myself. Was it tough for you to accept the word disabled? Yes, yeah. So that was a big one. So after a certain amount of time, it, it's no longer an illness; it becomes disabling. So it is a disability. Um, 
But I'd always say, and it's so, I look back and I'm like, how offensive was this? But I'd say, oh, well, I'm not really disabled. Like, <laughs> I look back and I'm like, Roshan, why were you saying that? <laughs> disabled is not a bad word. It's not a bad word. I don't know why you, uh, but we have connotations in society that it is a bad word. Like, mm -hmm. which is, it's crazy. I know. Uh, but I was like, oh, you're, you're not really disabled, though, winking and nudging. I don't know what I was winking and nudging about, because I am, like... Yeah, it's I've, kind of like, a, I'm not as disabled as this person and that, and then yeah. it goes back into but, like, comparing your struggles. Like, there's so many different yeah. disabilities, and they all come under... Do you know, there's, so, there's invisible disabilities, and we are making strides with the community. We are. We're getting somewhere. Like, Transport for Ireland just launched the Please Offer Me a Sea campaign. Oh, yeah. Which is for people who don't look like they have a disability, which is a lot of disabled people, um, but still can't stand for long periods of time. They now have a card and a badge for anybody in that position so that you can basically Good. say, I, listen, I need to sit down. And that was one Instagram page. A girl, she, she's invisible, invisible Disabilities Ireland, I think is their handle. But she lobbied for that and she got that campaign taken out. Like, do you know, these are small little grassroots things that we can all just keep working and keep working and pushing, mm -hmm. pushing for, you know, equality, for for better. Like the system's broken when it comes to disabled people. How is it broken? We, so we push, I feel anyway, disabled people into category of, no, you can't work. Do you know, you have a disability and push them off to the side. The, it, the, the structures in place on, a, on I suppose, a, a social welfare kind of government level um, can be quite exclusionary. You can work, you can have a disability and you can work up to a certain amount of hours. But then after that, you like you can't, you know, claim disability. And it's basically pushing disabled people into abject poverty. So yeah. we're saying if you're disabled, you, you have to live in poverty. And unless you are lucky and you're a wealthy disabled person. I know. I find those things so ridiculous where it's like you need that extra help. But then if you're actually working for yourself, like when you're making th this money by yourself, huh, you don't need our help anymore. But in reality, it's like, no, I need the time yeah. to keep pushing so that then eventually, if you want to get off of welfare, fair play. I, I'm sure that everyone, everyone wants to get off of welfare. I mean, like our government demonizes well at the moment. They, they demonize people on welfare and they want us all to be su suspect of people on welfare. Suspect or it's like you either stay on welfare or if you're going to start working, we're not going to help you anymore because you can do it. So and we'll it's cut like, you off from the we'll cut you off. And it's so silly because Hello, housing crisis, number one. <laughs> you know the what I mean? The country's in tatters. Yeah. It's quite itchy. It's on fire. Yeah. Like, it's burning <laughs> to the ground. So, like, I understand that I'm coming from a very part, a very small part of... Oh, yeah, but, like, community. students as well, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not, completely a different thing, but it's like, if you are getting help for being a student, the moment that you work, pass what like you're making 600 euros a your month gone. your grant is gone what are you gonna do with 600 euros yeah, a month groceries yeah. are expensive now yeah you know what i mean like we have like people, <laughs> pe like people are terrified going into this winter terrified oh my god of how they're going to survive like and the, the elderly you know people with illnesses people carers for people with disabilities mm. like it's not just people with disabilities you do have carers as well and carers keep this country afloat like they save the government 
millions. Countless. So they're basically nurses. They're basically They nurses. are doing the jobs, you know, they're doing the job for the government and oh, yeah. treat them with so little regard. It, it's upsetting. Like It's horrible. And that we have people worried about, you know, heating their homes and buying food like in 2022 in a wealthy country yeah ireland is rich yeah you know what i mean like, there is no reason there's no rhyme or reason for it. Mm-hmm. um and i do think now is time for so obviously i'm coming from the disabled community and yeah. the social inclusion aspect and that's something that i'm pushing for and advocating for within society but we need the people of ireland right now to just mobilize and and to come together because they're only we're only strong when we're all together, do you know. Yeah, I saw that TikTok recently. Did you see it? Of uh, you guys just refused to pay your water bills. Oh, I didn't no. know about that. Oh, the water bills. Yeah, yeah, that was 2013 or 14. Oh yeah, who though? Yeah, that was just like a. Yeah, explain that to me. So what happened? I think what happened. Jeez, I'm probably gonna make a for like. From oh, what I protests. watched, it was like a protest, but like the government was like, okay, you guys are going to start paying water. And everyone was oh, like, yeah, no, no. It was people were getting arrested. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. And it was the same, I think we, we tried with bin charges and that just got yeah. passed. But the water thing, yeah. The water the thing. Wa- I remember the, actually the water bill process. And they were putting in meters like to to basically measure how much water you're using on the streets. Okay. And people were just out and the, the amount of people who came together to, to oppose that. And then they had to step back because yeah. too many people were objecting to it, you know. The same way, I always say we have such big solidarity and people power within Ireland. We just need to get everybody together. for Like this is, if you look at the marriage referendum, the repeal the eight. Yeah. The amount of people we had out protesting. We have the people. We just all need to take to the streets and really just get our voices and opinions out there that we're not going to take anymore. Of it. What do you think will happen, though? I, I I come from a country, obviously, where protests essentially don't do that massive of an effect. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And a lot of protests do happen over here. What do you think is the tipping point between, you know what, this is it. This is what's going to make the change that's a good question um i genuinely don't know i'd be speculating really yeah i think the government always feel the current government that we have feel that the irish nation are complacent and that we will all just lie down on our backs and take it and i think if they see enough people i mean they saw it in the last election Mm. support was swaying they are going to see that people have had enough of this and people love this country but we're squeezing them out and we're not going to take any fucking more of this because we, we want you gone you're corrupt you've run our country into the ground you're watching homeless people die in the street like it, the country is rotten to the core mm. I think if they start to see that people are really coming together in strong solidarity they'll shit themselves yeah. I do I think they'll they'll really go okay we I don't think, have a future yeah I agree I agree entirely. I think it's also like the moment that young people start to make a difference with their vote. I had, I was discussing this with a few other guests, but apparently in Ireland, a lot of people don't change their vote from like their home county to where they're living. So that's one thing. And then it's also if they moved, like uh, if they left the country, they're not going to vote. Yeah. So I think right now, 
politicians like the current government are just prioritizing their niche which is 50 year old settled people that most likely got a property mm-hmm. or two from the Celtic Tiger yeah 100% they were this they were the same generation of people that have voted yeah. in for the past what countless years yeah so exactly. they're seeing the socio-economic and political landscape of Ireland changing. Mm-hmm. They know their days are numbered. So I think the government is pushing it to the limit and seeing how much they can get away with before they're out. Well, when's the next election again? Two years or one? No, it's two. I think it's 2020. Because I feel like my first... I don't know. So I think it was my second year in Ireland or something like that. My first year in Ireland. Oh, you would love this. The presidential election like what's happening when I arrived in Galway, right? Okay. First time ever I'm seeing countless of posters of people and politicians everywhere. And I remember looking at Michael D. Yeah. Being like, oh, he's so cute. No one's going to vote for him. Poor guy. Fuck me. He was a previous president and he got re-elected. Yeah, I know. I was so happy for yeah, him. Yeah, the support for Michael D. Higgins. <laughs> See, the presidential election, people, the president doesn't do very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same back home, yeah. It's, it's token <laughs> Political figure, you know. Yeah. They sign, that's it. Exactly. It's kind of like a figurehead of yeah. isn't it? But the next election, good question. Do you know what? I actually don't know. I'm yeah. trying to think when did I last vote? It wasn't COVID. It would have had to be in the year before. No, I think it's 2019, something like that. 2019. Every, so 2024 is the next week? Probably. Probably 23, something like that. Okay, we can check. TJ, is it, can we figure out when the next election is, please? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> Just for reference, you know. Yeah, um, I don't know if they're, are they going to make it that far? I know. I don't know. I don't like. I mean, next Taoiseach would be Leo Varadkar. I don't see that happening. Really? Yeah, yeah. I thought that he he already was, and he then was. gave it to no, Michal no. Fortin. Twenty twenty five. That's what I was thinking. Twenty five. Yeah, so it was twenty twenty. Um, because we just voted before the lockdown. Yeah. So yeah, Leo Varadkar was Taoiseach. Now he's tarnished it. Um, me. Go they're in a coalition now, so he they're dividing it in two. So. Michal Martin is doing half of the the time and then it goes back to Leo and I mean like it's just like this it's like it's like a a joke (laughs) now like it is it's just something that people laugh at like it's no no one likes them no I think in fairness to Leo that's the only he's a good public speaker Yes. I think his speeches, I remember like in COVID time and all he that. He doesn't write them. That's the he thing. Doesn't, no, no, no. <laughs> he has an excellent writer, but he's a better speaker than Michal is. He's, yeah. I think Leo Varadkar had an awful lot of the nation kind of won over and kind of mm-hmm. swooned them. Yeah, because I remember like, oh, but Leo gave us such a nice speech. Oh, yeah, and oh, he was so good, good during Leo. the pandemic. But these people are only watching RTE News, yeah. which is propaganda in my opinion. Um, and it pushes one agenda and that is the Fianna Fáil Fine Gael propaganda As in, isn't it owned by someone that's like heavily involved in that yeah, like I mean I'm not going to yeah. say look I'm never going to get a guest here, appearance <laughs> on RTE either you know what I mean it's fine guys you know <laughs> you got it Um. yeah so I mean their days are numbered and I think we are going to see a new dynamic mm-hmm. Ireland soon do, 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 do. really I do I do um. Okay. I do. I think looking at what happened up at the north and mm. the Stormont elections and Michelle O'Neill's success up there, and yeah. I mean that's I actually can't go into that because we would be here for a three-hour podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, it, 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 that's phenomenal to see Sinn Fein leader in the north. 
That's you know, true, it, for sure. That is a, a woman, like, and oh, yeah. I mean, they can write all the trash they want about her in, in the newspapers, but they're not going to take away from the fact what she's achieving. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, that's historical. Mm-hmm. To see that happening, you know, in the occupied six counties is just an indicator of what could happen down here, down south. I completely agree that the election will be very interesting to watch, Yeah, for sure. I don't know if it will happen sooner. I think something really bad has to happen. Yeah. Like for us, it was um, Panama Papers and the journalist that is no longer with us that got killed. Yeah. Um, she literally overthrew the government. You know what I mean? She yeah. released some something about like the prime minister's wife. Just long story short, and the government like collapsed. Collapsed, but got reelected. Just, so yeah. that was v- that was a very tough time in Malta mentally where everyone was really against each other you know how i don't know if you follow like politics but remember the time when like donald trump got elected oh yeah and everyone was really on edge that was malta when that happened i cried when donald trump got elected i cried did you i actually cried physical tears because i was like what is the world coming to like Mm. i think i think the issue with trump because i've looked into it actually it's so unfortunate in my opinion and the reason is his policies like yeah were actually not that bad they were quite good okay the man that he was he was such a fucking entertainer and knew how television worked and media and all that kind of stuff that he was not responsible with the way he used his platform and the way he spoke where even though you could give me the best tasting slice of cake if it looks like shit on the outside, yeah. that's shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because people are simple in the sense that they see w- they see what they see, and that's fucking face value, and then we're going to carry on with life. Not everyone is going to educate themselves on politics and policies and all that, which is completely fair. Well, it'd be classist of us to presume that everybody needs to be politically motivated and politically minded. Sometimes people couldn't care less, you know what I mean? You're which worried, is, yeah. uh, like, if you can't be arsed, you can't be arsed. Well, it's if you can't be arsed. If you're worried about putting food on the table, if you're worried about feeding your yeah, kids... Yeah, you're not okay, going to go like, oh... Granted, go. the politicians are the ones that are actually determining that, but you're basic instincts is survival so i will never shame somebody for being apolitical all i'm saying is in terms of in the community Mm. come out and rally come out and do what you can you don't need to have an allegiance to a political party you don't need to pick one party you don't need to follow politics you don't need to be educated on how the system works that's fine but just have some we have that we're all passionate if you Everybody in Ireland loves to bitch and, oh, God, if all this, when a girl, that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but, but, like, even if you don't have a strong political motivation, just, if we all just come together, we can achieve stuff. Yeah. I, I do believe that. Like, the Irish people are great people. We're the call to fighting Irish. Why aren't we fighting back? Like, I was... T- I don't know why we're not fighting back. I, I think, I think it's because, like, comfort, you know what I mean? Those that have... A play like I was not lucky, but after so many times, I managed to find like a nice place. Yeah. My focus right now is you're right, but you need uh, to be like, focusing on your own life. Yeah, uh, not even my own life, but it's kind of like I am not going to stir any pot with said landlord because God forbid he takes it away from yeah. me. 
Does that make sense? 100%. And probably a, a lot of people are kind of like going, uh, looking internally right now. Exactly. Because the pandemic did change us a little bit. Oh, the yeah. pandemic got us all together. We're, we're all in this together. We da, 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 da. Like we weren't all in it together. At first we were. Lockdown one versus lockdown three was a completely different story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what happens when you just go like, oh, we did this. We're going to keep doing this. Of course, people are going to fight. 100%. And now COVID just doesn't exist. And I always say that the government love to pit neighbor against neighbor. They don't want you looking up at the government. They want you looking at the people next door. Yeah. Once you're worried about what your neighbors are doing and what money they're taking from the state, you're not going to be, you're not going to be looking up to the corrupt politicians Mm. that are funneling big money. An interesting term that I learned about over here is... um, What's his name again? Thomas McCann. Lovely podcast. But he explained to me it was a podcast on travelers because he's a traveler. Yeah, yeah. He was talking to me about horizontal violence and the way that works, where when people feel helpless, they don't punch up. They punch horizontally within their community. Hence why in traveler communities, there is so much like um, violence within the community and just in general, like lockdown, whatever it may be. If I don't know, but like if there is conflict within the disabled community as well, where it's like, oh, but I have this. So do you know what? I've never experienced it. Good. It's yeah, that is a yeah, positive super. thing. I think the disabled community are more than willing to embrace one another. We just want to see a society where disabled people are not thought of as as something separate from everybody else. We want it, we want equality, we want inclusion. And um, we want like the healthcare system. It just disabled people are people too. And we deserve access to healthcare and people shouldn't be left waiting on two or three year waiting lists like mm. for for procedures that are, are even like I help people with their social welfare applications because some people within the disabled community wouldn't be very articulate or they wouldn't like I'm not a great speaker, but I'm a very good writer. So I would do that for them and I help them and I would kind of correlate with different TDs and get their submissions done. But the way our system works, they reject you for disability about two or three times before they'll approve you. And they don't have qualified, they have a medical board, but the medical board aren't trained in these niche specifics. So like, I know myself, I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I'm sending you in a 30 page document from my specialists, like, I'm not having your little medical board that you think are qualified to make a decision on an yeah. illness they don't know. Okay. I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, I will get all the paperwork. Like, I had to pay for it. Like, mm-hmm. but I got it and I got it sent in and I had TDs back. And so I was very lucky. It was easy for me. Then I realized there's people out there that aren't that lucky. So I want to be there for them. And I want to be there for anybody who wants to reach out to me. Um. And try do I try do their appeals for them as best I can. So, what is the main issue that people would be facing in this? Or is it like until you get that not status, but like that card, nearly? Yeah. So essentially, what would it be? So your class, I suppose, with disability, it's different to illness. Some people can get sick, and it's a short period of time, or maybe it's for six months, mm-hmm. and that would be illness benefits. So that goes on for two years. After that. 
it stops. It completely stops. Right? And the government is very bad at informing people on this. And they've made it very bureaucratic. And the whole system is very, very complicated. It's not user friendly. And it's certainly not friendly for anybody with a disability, particularly a disability that would cognitive, would affect somebody's cognitive function. Okay. It's hard to navigate. Well. So the system is hard to navigate. They point you in the wrong directions. They tell you to apply for this, to apply for that. It, what ended up happening with me was there was a six month period where I had no income, like coming in from anywhere. Like I was just left, you know, thank God I have family and my family are fantastic. But I was left with no income and they were like, oh, if you're really that, if it's really that bad, go to your local welfare office and ask them for money. And I was like, yeah, can just hand me money. Like, <laughs> this, this is ridiculous. How is this how our country is operating? Like, so we're. Oh, sure. Look, be grand. Yeah, that is literally it. It's like, oh, you be grand. Oh, you, you might like. I'll just tell them. <laughs> just I mean, just like, tell them your story. It's ridiculous. Like, oh, you might not be able to afford, you know, your medication or you might not be able to afford like. <laughs> But you'd be grand, you'd be fine. Like, it's just the way I just, I make it make light of it now. I thought this was going to be real serious. But it will only make you stronger. Yeah, it's character building. Like, <laughs> ridiculous. And you would easily know that they've never been true with themselves. Oh, and for sure. They would just, like, call up their friend over at whichever office and, like, yeah. could just scoot. I'm like, you're fine. Completely. Like, the only kind of citizen's information is probably as good as you get to, you know, getting advice. So I just like to, to be there to help people in situations like that. Um, or for anybody who just needs to chat, because it's really tough. Our mental health services, again, sorry, to, another <laughs> job at the government um, are in bits. So if we can do it as a community, if we can support one another, that kind of support is better than having no support if they you know if you can't access mental health supports having somebody that's going through the same thing to talk to is so so important so beneficial um so i always say online you know anybody and i mean it like i know people are always like hashtag be kind you can message me whenever you want i genuinely mean it like if somebody wants to text me at two o'clock in the morning because they're going through something and it doesn't have to be a a physical Ill illness, it can be a mental illness too, wants to text me, I will always reply. Because I think as a community, we need we need each other. We're a fantastic community. I think Irish people are great. I love this country. Like I don't love it right now, but I but I love the country. I'm a Republican. <laughs> so I love Ireland. I don't like what it's become. Um, and I wanna wanna change that. If you were to just envision an Ireland that embraces disabled people. Yes. What would that look like for you? It would be in Ireland where somebody with a disability, if they're able to work, they're able to work in a capacity where, so number one, we shouldn't be pushing anybody with a disability or an illness or who is a carer into poverty. That's one thing that I just don't understand. I don't understand why we put a cap on that, like a ceiling. They should be able to work to a certain capacity. We should be making allowances like I remember in the beginning of my illness being like I could definitely work from home and there was no option for me to work from home but then a pandemic came that was going to threaten profits within a company and suddenly everybody was working from home now the disabled community have been looking for options like that for probably about 10 20 years mm. to be able to work outside of the normal office structure and it could be done literally overnight when a pandemic came so there's no will there there's no will to be inclusive. I mean, we're all inclusive. You know, all these companies and corporations are all inclusive until it comes down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. You know, they're all supporting pride until it comes to trans rights. Yeah. 
it's it's tokenism. I just don't want a tokenistic society. I want a society where disabled people are treated with respect and dignity and where they get the health care they deserve. They're not left on waiting lists, you know. I just, oh, I just feel like, I don't know, it's hard, to, it's hard to put, I don't know what I envision. But it will be easier. Yes, I just know we have a way to go. I think it always comes down, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I'm gathering from you. I think communication means a lot to you, and probably you are amplifying that based on like your experience within the disabled community and the people you know. L listening and that bit of transparency and don't ignore them. Exactly, and don't present. It's, I kind of want to break down the preconceptions as well of the don't just presume because somebody looks well that they're well. Mm -hmm. Don't just presume that all disabilities look a certain way. And probably the other way around too, where like you don't need to baby talk to someone. Oh, no, you get that. Yeah, you get exactly. that as well. It's like, probably on the other end as well. 100%. Like we're yeah. not fragile. We're not going to break, to be honest. Disabled people, from my experience, are some of the toughest, strongest yeah. people you meet. Like you don't That's need true. to be real gentle with us either. Uh -huh. Like we're not looking for that. We're just looking for sympathy. Yeah, you're not looking for that. No, we're just looking for inclusion. Yes. Yeah. Inclusion, just representation. Mm -hmm. just to be thought about in the consultation process of considered recognized yeah, listened yeah. to just to be given a voice yeah that's actually to be honest everything else aside if anything i just want to give the community a voice mm -hmm. that's i agree with that and i think it's so important because right now when it comes to decision making probably at an official level it's always like oh yeah we care about you like we're giving you a voice blah blah blah, blah. there's this one person here but like are you not only letting them speak, are you taking what they're saying into consideration? Because I feel like most of the time it's very much like, oh yeah, look, look at our team photo. Yeah. Like one LGBT person. It's like, okay, but where's the difference? Are you like listening to them? Are you making that change? Or is it just like, kudos? No, it's, it's we, tokenism. We it. it's, it's to take off the boxes and say that we're inclusive. Yeah, for sure. That's the um, thing. And I just, I feel like we need to let the world know there's so many different aspects to it, but let the world know that there's so much more to a person than their disability. Their diagnosis yeah. doesn't define them. I am True. not trigeminal neurology. Like yeah. that's a, I'm not the girl with the rare brain condition. Mm. Like there's so much more to me than that. Um, what is there? What is there? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you have? I think there's a little bit of strength and quirk to you. Mm. Your communicating and vulnerability. Where that. I'm not going to say that you're not shy, but you are very vocal about this. I think there's something in you where, you know, this case is bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, also just behind me, like, I'm also like, just an ordinary person like sometimes yeah I feel you're like, nice too <laughs> like you, <laughs> you, you know like, what i mean you know like i'm a dog mom to my little dog oh yeah, yeah Freya. Freya. go yeah, on i'm a sister you know like i i'm now a godmother so my cousin just had a baby so oh, yeah i'm a godmother there's so much more to me like you know yeah then just oh that's rich and she has that, that illness like don't talk to yeah like yeah Obviously, it's become the focal point of my life because 
because you deal with it every single day. I deal with every single like day. You're in pain right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, of course. Well, I just want to, I want to use, I suppose, my pain mm. in a positive way. Yeah. And just try give a voice to a community that I don't think is often listened to enough. Um, I think you're going to get there. Do you think so? Fact. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think. I, I, I believe in that. And I think it's also just... It's about figuring out different types of communication until one sticks. You know what I mean? And the moment that you find what sticks, then it's like, all right, what am I going to do next? And just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I mean, I have a trajectory and like I do know this is early on Mm -hmm. in my diagnosis. Like they say three to five years is is the early stages of trigeminal neuralgia. What does that mean? Is it going to get worse? Uh, it could possibly get worse. Or they just say that it takes three to five years to kind of adjust to it, to adapt. Ah, uh, okay. It's also very rare to happen to somebody of my age. Yeah, I heard, <laughs> like, my research was, like, usually... Women over 50. Women over 50, yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm ridiculously young. Like, all of my... It's like a one-off case, near, kind of. Yeah, I think I would be, like, the youngest patient that, that I know of, anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah, it would be. It's weird, though, because... There was a part of me there where it's like, ah, oh, you're young, you're technically healthier to deal with it. But then it's also like you have so much more time with, if, if everything goes well with a general lifetime, you know, Yeah. versus. Although my hope there is I have so much longer to find a cure. Oh, man. I don't know, man. Probably they'll fucking create some lab in Mars or some on Mars and like, you'll just be sent there. Honestly, Elon Musk, Neuralink, something there. You <laughs> Neuro. Yeah. Surge. You never know. You Look, never know. I'm sorry. You have a fucking app on your phone. Yeah. That like makes you <laughs> think. My back, like into my back, up to my brain. And is it like a Bluetooth chip? What is it? Um, No, it's an actual battery. You have to charge it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a battery pack. And you have to like, actually, I'm pretty sure charge no, it. No, no, no. Wait, still. What do you mean a battery pack? Like. I have a proper like lump of metal in my spine. It's like an and do you like back it up or something? <laughs> charge it wirelessly. Have you ever seen like a phone charging wirelessly? Yeah. So you strap this. Well, you don't have to strap it. You can just hold the thing to your back if you want. But it's easier if you're lying in bed to strap it on. And um, strap this charger to your back and it, like. So are you essentially like plugging yourself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on, like an electric car. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh it's, my god. It's weird. Like every <laughs> like I have to charge myself every week, literally physically charge myself. And every time I do it, it doesn't get old. I'm like, this is weird. This is the freakiest thing. Yeah, you feel like such an object. That's what that's what I was saying earlier about sometimes feeling like you're just this medical science. Yeah. I feel like Frankenstein sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I've just been poked and prodded and pieces of my skull removed and pieces of my brain poked at. <laughs> um, plugged in. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think laughing about it as well makes it oh, so you much have easier to, to cope. Uh, look, that's comes with talking so openly about it where like you show that level of comfort where you're jo- making jokes about it but you're also welcoming jokes of course I always let oh people, you like, have to now you if somebody to. takes it too far like sometimes I'll be in a mood and my mom will say something and I'll be like that's not funny <laughs> you know like and she'll be like oh sorry I didn't mean to offend you and I'll be like no I'm actually just being moody because like, I generally don't mind people joking about it you know yeah it comes like, to time and place and fairness yeah like or, <laughs> every time I have to get my head shaved for a surgery or anything I'm like oh my god look at my hair like mm. I'll make a joke out of do it you have to do like the undercut or yeah it's grown like out now so it's, it's a little short bit oh now, go yeah. on there you go so stylish it's looking good it's looking yeah. good but no 
my hair grows so so good. I'm so lucky because it's been shaved about three or four times in the past year. So I'm so lucky, like with the hair that I have. Yeah. I've lost hair to radiation and everything and just grows back. Like did you ever consider like a full I used to I used to have the shortest hair. Yeah, as a teenager I had both sides shaved and just like a tiny bit on top. Um I don't think I'd do it now. <laughs> I might maybe I will. Maybe I'll I don't know, test the waters and <laughs> shake it up a bit. In fairness, that would probably put you on posters quicker than yeah, you know, yeah, I mean? no, like uh, you know, branding or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Look, in fairness, if that girl got the card for the transport to Ireland, that's huge. You know, that's huge. I think me. it just goes back to again, which outlet, which form of communication, yeah, is going to work. It's trial and error. You know, social media isn't going anywhere. No, and I mean, I'm working consistently with the social media, but also, like, I don't have a large following. I don't want necessarily a large following. You know. Mm. I, the people that need me find me online, do you know, yeah. and they reach out to me and I reach out to them and you figure it out. It works. And then I run support groups and stuff and online and then through activism, through the community. Word of mouth as well. Word yeah. of mouth. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. You'll always meet people and say, oh, my cousin has a condition like and give me in touch. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, tell them to message me like, do you know, mm-hmm. we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's a great community and there's some fantastic people and I just think it's I would have never thought about disabled people until it happened to me. Mm-hmm. So I just give it a think and I think this is just one mom just reflect and think, God, what would it be like if I woke up tomorrow and it turned out that I had an incurable illness yeah. and it's with me for the rest of my life? And just ask yourself that question. It's pretty terrifying actually. Maybe don't ask yourself. <laughs> no, you have to. You do, yeah. Like it could not like the lotto when they say it could be you. Like, but yeah. your chances of getting an girl like a rare disease is harder than you in the lotto. Mm-hmm. Which is like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like, what will you change? Would you be more grateful? Would you be more patient? I don't know. I'm trying to think what I would be. There's no way you know. Yeah. There, there is no way you know. Yeah. Because if you had a, had a asked me before the illness what way I would have been, I'd be like, oh, I would have been like, you know, I would have been so, pe- like, I'd be so pessimistic and miserable at the world. It's mm. the opposite. You get this strength down over and I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm going through a spiritual kind of journey at the moment. So I, at first I thought it was God. I don't know <laughs> where it came from. Um you do get this strength and it is generally it's otherworldly it's yeah it's not like a strength that i ever know like knew within myself it's an outer body kind of strength yeah and it's like all or nothing yeah literally you all or strength nothing. and then you understand how people who have gone through horrific things people are like how did they survive that mm. i understand now i understand you get this strength it comes from somewhere no god knows maybe that would be the next podcast where does it come from the meaning of life <laughs> yeah uh, this is basically it of every time i think we're good i'm ha- are you happy with this I conversation yeah. yeah yeah anything else you want to let the people know no i don't think so my brain see i get this thing called brain fog so my brain fogs up and i actually don't know what i'm saying or thinking yeah um, and that happened so okay. once that kicked in i was i can't remember that conversation what's okay all. don't worry it's gonna be on record on take two with deb shaw everybody is gonna hear it so exactly there you go tag everyone share it you and will, of course be nice i think that's it be nice to people and yourself and yourself there you go. Thank you so much, Roshi. Thank you. Yeah, seems like we're back on start, but